Arthur, I'll be in here. Quiet now, I'm recording. Hello. Tick here. <clears throat> you, my friend, well, if you're an evildoer, cover your ears. Because you are listening to the Canned Air Podcast, which is nothing but Keen Spoon! All right, Arthur, you can come out now. Another episode of Candare, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. And I'm Randy Hardenbrook. And we've got a good episode laid out for you today, but what's different? I always say that, right? I mean, yeah. I think they're always good to some extent, but they've, I don't know. There's always nuggets of fun in each one of them. I know this one's going to be good. I know that for <laughs> sure. In our retro roundtable today, we're going to be talking about some of the best performances that we uh, can think of from throughout some of the movies we've seen in our time. No right, wrong answers based purely on opinion, so that would be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and then after that, we're going to be uh, welcoming renowned acting coach uh, Michelle Danner to the show. She's had students like uh, Christian Slater, Seth MacFarlane, Chris Rock, Zoe Deschanel, just to name a few. She's also a film director who's done movies like Bad Impulse and the upcoming The Runner. She will be joining us after the Retro Roundtable and after the commercial break. So excited for that, too. Yeah, yeah it's going to be a good interview. But before we do any of that, don't forget to find us on Twitter at CannedAirPod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. And if you head to CannedAirPodcast.com, there's a Patreon button there where you can uh, click $5 a month or $10 a month, depending on what kind of content you want to get. You can get a whole nother catalog of Canned Air. Uh, episodes, the Candare Patreon Pod, the Candare Classics, the Comic Vault, so many things. That's the, the Human Fly. The Human Fly, Candare Radio Theater, so much up there for you to listen <laughs> to that the normies aren't getting. And then uh, what else am I forgetting, Randy? So if you're uh, around the Columbus, Ohio area, September 25th, come check us out at the Tour Gaming Expo at the Superkick Facility in Lewis Center. Um, also, if you're in the mood for some cons, there is a great one at the end of this month uh, in Dayton, uh, Gem City Comic Con who uh, we're doing a little con swap with on both our events. But uh, definitely head down there in the Dayton area to uh, see a lot of people we've had on the show. and then Nutter uh, Center, right? The Nutter Center? I believe so. I'm Don't almost positive. That. that sounds right. But yeah, Gem City, and then in September, come check us out at Torgs. And, of course, we're on evergreenpodcast.com. I always forget that. I'm not, I mean, I don't forget it. I just forget to put it at the top of the roll because I'm so systematically just say these things without even knowing what you're saying. But, again, we are part of the Evergreen Podcast family. And check us out on evergreenpodcast.com along with uh, so many other great shows. So I think that's everything. I believe so. Let's kick it off with this week's Retro Roundtable. And here we Go. I'll be back. <laughs> All right, guys. Some of the best performances we can think of from throughout pop culture. Randy, kick us off. So uh, I, I might have used this example in the past when we were talking about our Wild West stuff, but um, I'm actually going to throw out an actor rather than one particular uh, a movie, but uh, Jeff Daniels, um, somebody who can play Harry and Dumb and Dumber and then switch total opposite ends of the spectrum and play a moody, evil asshole in Godless on Netflix is just... He has quite the range, yeah. for yeah. sure. Yeah, and I've got to look up exactly... Uh... 
did you see Jobs with Michael Fassbender? Yes. Yes. He was fantastic in that. And I'm trying to remember who he played in that uh, film. The Pepsi exec. Um, oh, yeah, but what was his... Uh, fuck. Um, I was thrown off at first. I was thinking Jeff Goldblum. I was John like, Scully. Yes, Scully. John Scully. That's who it was. That was a fantastic performance. That movie was fantastic. And Michael Fassbender in that also... For sure. ...was amazing. But uh, yeah, just uh, again, just somebody who can has that that dynamic and that range Mm -hmm. is just I I always kind of like have to double double take when I watch his stuff. So (laughs) (laughs) I was just talking with my uh, sister uh, today about Dumb and Dumber, uh, about the scene where. Uh, Lloyd comes home. He was supposed to go out and get beer. And when he walks in, Harry, who's played by uh, uh, Jeff, Daniels. Jeff Daniels, is sitting on the couch just staring out the side of his eyes. Where's the booze? Got robbed by a little sweet lady. Didn't even see it coming. <laughs> <laughs> that role, it was almost kind of jarring to see that he was in that because I don't think he was in anything really that funny and stupid before no. No, I don't think he was. And and from what I understand, which I'm sure people in Hollywood, and maybe this is already a known fact, but when it came to Dumb and Dumber based on Jeff Daniels' popularity and Jim Carrey's popularity, they got paid quite differently. Yeah. <laughs> quite yeah. differently. Yep. <laughs> now, was, was Speed before Dumb and Dumber? Mm, uh, I don't think so. Okay. Boy, it'd be right around... Because Speed was the first thing I saw him in when he was playing uh, the partner. To... If it is before, maybe right before. Gotcha. I mean, they hit like really close, but I think Speed was first. Okay. Don't quote me, but okay. I think it was. But again, yeah, that was the first time I saw uh, Jeff Daniels in anything and then mm-hmm. turn around and Dumb and Dumber right yeah. close to that. He's fantastic. I love Jeff Daniels. I almost want to say Speed was after because I remember seeing him in Speed and I was like, Harry. <laughs> Oh, did you? His character in both movies was Harry, so that didn't help either. <laughs> Were they really? Yeah. I don't remember Speed. Like I saw it once. Okay, Speed was June 10th of 94. Dumb and Dumber was 94, December 6th. Oh, shit. So oh. just a few months before Speed came first. I must have saw it after then. <laughs> <laughs> we got to the bottom of it. You know, some dollar theater probably had both those movies playing at the same time and probably just blew somebody's mind. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right, uh, Jack, why don't you go next? Well, this one, he's been in actually six different movies. This is actually, it's not really a serious one. R2-D2, he's always he's <laughs> great. The... Stellar performance. <laughs> the emotion coming out of the beeps and boops. <laughs> You know, know exactly what he's feeling in any any time. So, yeah. No. Uh, if Kenny Baker were alive to hear this. He would be. He'd probably come over and shake my hand. I have no doubt he would. No <laughs> doubt. I might. Punch, not, punch me in the... <laughs> no, I, I mean, I get what you're saying. R2-D2. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm thinking of uh, performances on screen that... Uh, you know, he's not wrong. You know, he's really challenging my mind because when you think about it, <laughs> think about how much emotion mm-hmm. you that droid brings. Yeah. And how much everyone cares about him. And all he is is a trash can that beeps and boops. But those beeps and boops and those sounds do draw. I'll give it to him. Man. I mean, look when he's on Dagobah and it's raining and he's sitting outside looking through the window. Yeah. Can I come in? Like you, you feel for him. Like yeah. <laughs> or when the other kick- times when he gets he like has he, he you know he gives a smart ass remark. I mean, 
usually right. you can tell because of what 3PO says, but that, even so, that there's sometimes where you, you know he's just like, screw you, or what the hell. <laughs> yeah. You can just Fuck tell. <laughs> and there's no emotion. Like, there's no eye or eyebrows or anything to emote like that. So, right. Just kind of pull from what you will, I guess. Right. Well, I get it. I, I didn't at first, but I get it now. I do. <laughs> it's a good pick, Jack. Good pick. Because we've said that before on the show. We've said that before. Like how many times that yeah. that character can do that? And you know, BB-8's cool, but I don't think he's ever made me feel he, she. However, I BB doesn't have the emotional range of R two D two. I don't know what it is. I mean, because it's a very it's the same uh, concept, just yeah. a circle instead of a cylinder, you know. But I think it's the sound because it's more of a BB eight has more of a voice. Yeah, you know BB eight. Uh, you know Bill Hader, he did the voice of BB eight. Really, I didn't know. Yeah, that. I, 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 I have to see that just to see what he was doing. I mean, if he was really saying yeah. something, I think using... I think they were. were uh, I think he was really saying stuff, and then they just turned his dialogue into those sounds, you know. But mm. I don't know. Maybe he just was going. Oh. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, anything else on that, Jack? Yeah. <laughs> uh, my first pick is going to have to be uh, Anthony Hopkins as Hannibal Lecter. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, shit. Talk about fear that comes out of the screen and touches you. You know mm. what I'm saying? And the fact, uh, you know, and I, mean, I think this is also known, but I didn't know it. If you ever watch those movies, pay attention, because like I don't think you ever watch Hannibal blink his eyes. Ever. I was no. just thinking that exact same thing. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I don't know if that's that's probably like huge fans probably are like, well, oh, well, of course, that was the direction. I It probably was. But if it either way, <laughs> it's, it's notice. I mean, just those stone eyes and the dialogue delivered. And, you know, I, I think um, I don't know how anyone else could have pulled that off that way. I don't think anyone else could have made him that creepy. I think and especially in Silence of the Lambs, when you have him not even being the center antagonist Mm-mm. in the film against somebody like Wild Bill who's fucked up in his own right. Like, mm-hmm. you walk away fearing that guy. It's just that it says so oh, much. Oh, yeah. Buff- yeah. You don't think about Buffalo Bill yet. You think about Hannibal Lecter. Right. Obviously, yeah. you're just supposed to. That's what the movies make. <laughs> right, do, but, right. But, yeah. I mean, Buffalo Bill's sick. <laughs> sick fuck. But, yeah, yeah. Um, I wonder if, uh, if he was directed to not blink or if he chose to just do that because he... he he figured that would be working. I mean, it's not like he's just some rinky-dink actor. He knows what the hell he's doing. So right, yeah, right. he's like theater trained and shit, right? Mm-hmm. Like he knows his stuff. Yeah. Yep. Man, he he's in the. Uh, there's a movie that I don't know if it's already out or if it's about to be out, but where he plays a uh, the father, a father of a of a girl who has dementia, and he's just he's like fading and stuff. I mean, that's all there really is to it. Hmm. Like him losing his memory, forgetting everything from his perspective, I think. And it looks fucking amazing. I want to see it. Well, and it's also, I mean, just Anthony Hopkins as an actor, when he plays Odin in any of any time he appears in the MCU, like totally steals the freaking... Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's just straight power all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. I mean, inflection on anything said is up to 100%. Like... Mm-hmm. Yep. Done so well. Done so well. But damn, Hannibal. Yeah. Fuck. And, you know, like the movie Hannibal and then like Red Dragon, those are really good too. But there's something about that first one that mm-hmm. he's just the creepiest in. You yeah. Know? Maybe we're desensitized. 
to when the other movies came out. We, we've already long known who Hannibal Lecter was, but fuck, those piercing eyes. Like when they re wheel him in and he's got the mask on, his eyes are just still wide, never blank, just staring straight ahead. And I feel like, I just wonder if there were times like they're shooting, he delivered the perfect line, but oh, that was so good, but you fucking blinked, man. Like, <laughs> I don't know, but damn, so good. Back to you, Randy. Uh, so playing off Jack, I'm going to go ahead and go with uh, Groot. From... No, I'm kidding. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Vin Diesel is Groot? <laughs> no, kind of going off yours, though, Jeremy, somebody that uh, always kind of played a very great, serious actor. And then, uh, to my knowledge, the, the one I remember just went totally like off the script and did something, uh, did a comedy would have to be, um, my next pick would be Alan Rickman. Just, you know, I, mm. I grew up with him yeah. as the sheriff, sheriff of Nottingham mm -hmm. and then obviously uh, Professor Snape in the Harry mm -hmm. Potter series. But God damn it, when he did <laughs> freaking Galaxy Quest. Oh, yeah. And played the, uh, <laughs> the Spock ripoff. Um, By Grab Thor's Hammer. Yes. <laughs> and just being around all those actors and just his delivery and everything was just so deadpan, just so chill. And I, I don't I've never seen the bloopers for that, but I I can't imagine him breaking character like he's just it just seems like he is like the immovable force in that movie watch that documentary uh never never surrender i think it is because they have a a whole big thing about him because he was he's another classically trained and right, he's running right, around right. with what tim tim allen that was cutting up all the time mm -hmm. and i mean they ended up being really good friends but it was really awkward at first because of how he was and how alan rickman was because he was always so serious gotcha. opposites <laughs> yeah. but uh yeah and just uh, you've you've mentioned that before jack i really do need to check it out and i don't mean to, to i know he's done like a lot of like shakespearean shit and like very top-notch stuff but i mean he's always going to be galaxy quest is always going to be my favorite movie with him just i think of uh dogma when he he was an angel in dogma okay. wasn't he oh uh, he's the metatron yeah the voice of god and they <laughs> What they say, like, uh, you have a penis, or I don't remember how it came up, but like, he opened his coat and he had the, like, the anatomy of like a Kendall. <laughs> there was like nothing there. It was so funny. Looked like Marilyn Manson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did. Oh, God, I miss him. Yeah, he was good. All right, Jack, what's, the, what's next on the list? So, my next one, he's been um, awesome in every movie, but I think the first time I ever saw him in, which really kind of stuck with me, was. Of Mice and Men, and I read that book a lot in school just because I moved around a lot, so I ended up having to read it a couple of times. I don't want to say John McAvoy, but uh, Mac uh, John Malkovich. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But he did the role really, John Malkovich. And then every, everything after that, he's always <laughs> pretty much nailed the parts that he's been in. Have you ever seen uh, Being John Malkovich? Oh, yeah. That's the other one, too. That's a good movie. One well, hip. He plays uh, Cyrus the Virus and Con Air. Like, he's oh, creepy. Oh, shit, I forgot about that. Um, and then The Man in the Iron Mask with Leo DiCaprio, where he plays uh, Frick. And... Who's a bishop or something like that, or a cardinal? No, no he's Porthos. Or Ath well, he's one of the musketeers in Man in the Iron Mask. This just came full circle. This just came full circle. He mentioned Marilyn Manson a little bit ago. Uh, one of the last things I saw him do was he played the Pope talking with Marilyn Manson. It's on YouTube. Okay, okay. Uh, John Malkovich and Marilyn Manson. It's funnier than hell. You should check it out. But <laughs> Damn, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. That just popped in there. Well, and then also, did you guys see the movie? What was it? Is it Red? Yes. 
Yeah, the senior uh, CIA oh, agent. Yes, yes, where he's just like total, like just kind of kind of losing it. And... Doomsday prepper type. He's always got wanting the big gun and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Heck yeah, I, want, I was hoping they were going to do a sequel. I thought they were going to, but I don't know. All right, I, I'm going to have my next pick. Um, you know, I was on the fence for this pick. I was my last pick. I was kind of looking at Tom Cruise because I'm not. A Tom Cruise fan, but he's a great actor, and I, everything I see him in is like really pretty good most of the time. Mm-hmm. But I can't think of like a defining scene. But a movie that he was in with Dustin Hoffman, Dustin oh. Hoffman playing Rain Man. Oh God, yeah! Holy shit! Hell yeah! Now he nailed that. Yeah. Nailed that. You would totally, totally believe that's who he was. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. Having when he freaked out over like the picture in the mm, bathtub, yeah, remember that? Yeah, and yeah, uh, you know, just freaking out, not being able to see uh, Wapner come on at what five o'clock, mm-hmm. I think it was like. Yeah. And Tom Cruise was is equally good in that film, yeah. playing the frustrated brother who mm-hmm. didn't want to fuck with this, you know, but by the end came around, right? Found right. his brother and. It was so good. They both did such stellar performances in that. Mm-hmm. Totally believable. And it holds up to this day. I mean, aside from the fact that I don't think they have cell phones and they're using pay phones and they're driving <laughs> yeah. old, old cars around. But aside from that, it really holds up. It's so good. And don't throw something at me, but I think it's fair to say that his career has kind of waned at this point. Who's that? Tom Cruise. Um, I mean, he's still actively doing stuff. Right, but he's... he's Probably not as no. I mean, he you know not as not as big as like the Top Gun days. Well, and, shit, and that's but... what I'm getting at. It's going to be interesting to see you know how he was portrayed and and everything in Top Gun to how he's going to be portrayed in the sequel. Now that you know he's kind of at different levels, are they still? I think he'll and... do it well. Yeah, I mean, uh, I have no doubt. But look it's... at the the Mission Impossible movies. I mean, he's mm-hmm. still doing those, and those still seem to get attention. Right. Like that right. last one yeah. he did with Henry Cavill was fucking fantastic yeah. they are just great action films and what makes them so great part of the reason not the only but part of the reason is knowing that everything you're seeing the dude actually did right yeah you yeah. Know? yeah it's it's incredible mm-hmm. it's incredible i can't um as, as much as he's worth he doesn't have to do that shit he doesn't have to he's choosing to do that right. for the craft for believability and sure he could walk away and retire and his his <laughs> his great 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 grandkids would never have to work a day in their life, you know? <sighs> Grandpa Cruz, were you in Tropic Thunder? <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. Oh god. Punch him. <laughs> that was, that so, was so good. It took me so like it, a couple I was like, is that is it? Yeah, it sure did take it a minute to recognize him. And then he yeah. starts freaking break dancing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. Good stuff. All right. Where are we at? Back to Randy. About 22. Let's just do maybe one more pick. Okay. Randy? Okay. So so work with me on this one, guys. So uh, my next pick is Chris Farley, and I'm going to tell you why. Because uh, he, it, for the little bit of time he's with us, he really got typecast as this big kind of goofy, weirdo, fat man. Mm-hmm. type but there was one scene that always got to me in black sheep where and i forget the exact context of the scene but he was like helping out at like a ymca right mm-hmm. and um due to something he he got either got fired or he had to leave the position 
So he's going around and he's like packing up all the stuff and just kind of looking at pictures and memorabilia and like he puts oh yeah like a, he was like a football like something coach like at that. this yeah, like yeah yeah yeah, yeah like yeah. recreation recreation <clears throat> center. But I, I just remember he puts on this like bunny hat and he's just looking around and he's got like genuine tears in his eyes and just. It, just the weight of that emotional scene, I, I just felt like there was so much of a dynamic that he had mm-hmm. for just acting in general that never got explored in a little sure. bit, you know, we had with him. It makes me think of Adam Sandler, you know, they were yeah. best buds and mm-hmm. shit. And when everyone think, hears Adam Sandler nowadays, it's like, oh, God, you know, because <laughs> those comedies did not date well. But if you've ever seen uh, Punch Drunk Love... It's a he. It's not a movie he wrote. I don't think but he okay. stars in it, and it's a super serious role where he plays this just kind of out of his mind. I can't remember the details of what happens in mm-hmm. the film. It's been so long, but I just remember being bowled over by seeing a serious Adam Sandler role. Yeah, because there was a lot of emotion, a lot of ah, just stuff you don't get from his right, films. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think he's done a couple others that were like that too. I can't think, I think off the top has, of my head I can't what they remember were. What they are? Yeah. Yeah. And kind of along those same lines, anytime Robin Williams did something serious, serious mm-hmm. like the uh, the photo oh booth God. movie. Oh, jeez. What's that? Oh, I just said, oh, jeez, because of that one. Yeah, that was, that was insane. Best Robin Williams performance I've ever seen, Good Will Hunting, as far as serious yeah, roles go. For Holy sure. shit. Yeah. Holy shit. But when that... he came and talked to him in the park on that bench, he goes, mm-hmm. I just realized you're... You're a shit. You don't, you know, you don't know shit about anything. Yeah, like, yeah. I know that wasn't word for word what he said, but um, damn. I don't know. Dead Poet Society was pretty good. Oh, yeah. fuck yeah. yeah. And then there was one he did, and I grew up with Robin Williams as like the genie and stuff. Like I wasn't mm-hmm. really familiar with his stand up until I got older, and I saw he did a movie with Ed Norton. Ed Norton is like a Barney knockoff. And oh, that's that's the smoochie. That's yes. it. Yes, but. And he just plays this real maniacal, just like he Smoochie took Ed Norton's character took his place. He played like a clown or something. But I remember he just started swearing and just was very like combative, which was more so in line with his uh, his, his stand up. But uh, it just it threw me so hard because I'd never seen him mm-hmm. you know, in that type of role. I'm like the genie's swearing. <laughs> Yeah, the first yeah, Goodwill Hunting would have been my first time. Okay. Wow, what a first time to see For him sure, yeah. like that. Uh, and Dead Poet Society too. That was that was crazy. I watch those mm-hmm. uh, clips often on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I mean, not not like once a week or anything, but you know, there's times I like to look at old movie clips. And uh, I just just recently was looking at his stuff from Goodwill Hunting. Incredible, mm-hmm. absolutely incredible. Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, for sure. Yep. Fucking See, yeah. Incredible. Come on, <laughs> the range this dude has. Yeah. Oh my god! But I feel like we could coming full circle. I feel like we would have got something like that out of Chris Farley if he, you know, was was around yeah. longer. Yeah, that was unfortunate. I still remember that. I was in biology class when I when someone came in the room and said Chris Farley died. I'm like, what? Yeah, my world was rocked, dude. I mean, he was everything. He was mm-hmm. the comedic pinnacle at the time. Oh yeah. Right? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Jesus. <laughs> All right. I think that's a good note to end this on here, unless anyone else has any quick mentions. I just had a quick one. Uh, just coming back around from what Randy was talking about a little bit. Ed Norton. Yeah, he's and always good. Primal Fear, if you've ever seen that one. It I doesn't have. hold up as well It's because it's it's a 90s movie. I mean, it, it's so <laughs> dated looking just with the, co- the outfits and stuff. Who else but is in he, that? Um, what's his name from Pretty Woman, I think? Gear? Richard Gere? Yeah. Okay. But was he... It, 
Was that the Ed one Martin. where he played like a uh, an inmate that was like pretending to be crazy but really wasn't? Yeah, spoilers. Sorry. Well, it was in the nineties. You haven't seen it now. Yeah, he's a he's like a real mousy southern guy. Okay. That gets framed for a murder, and they go through the whole you know the whole court hearing and stuff, and end up finding him not guilty, and he ends up having like a what call it a multiple personality disorder. And at the end, he just like wakes up and says to the lawyer, he's like, yep, it was me the whole time. And I just uh, when he switches, it's so crazy because he's a total different guy mm. and it doesn't even look like the same person, even though it is the exact same person. That was my first taste of Edward Norton. I think that was his first movie, actually. I don't know. I'm not sure, though. I think of the uh, illusionist when I think of Edward. Norton. Yeah, that was a great movie. Him and uh, Jessica Biel and. Uh, like a pig vomit from uh, Private Parts. What was his name? Geo <laughs> something, I think, his last name starts with Gio, a G. Uh, Geo, no, that's not him. You're thinking Giovanni Ribisi. Yeah, that's, that's what him. I'm thinking. <laughs> not him. <laughs> All right, I think that's going to do it for the retros. Good picks. That was yeah. a good combo. Yeah. We're going to jump to a commercial really fast, and when we come back, we're going to be welcoming acting coach and film director Michelle Danner. So stay tuned. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, we are back from commercial, and we now have our guest joining us for today. Our guest is a renowned acting coach who's had students the likes of Christian Slater, Salma Hayek, Gerard Butler, Seth MacFarlane, Chris Rock, the list goes on, ladies and gentlemen. She's also a film director who's directed films like Bad Impulse and the upcoming film The Runner. We welcome acting coach and film director Michelle Danner to the show. Michelle, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you. We're really excited uh, after looking into uh, everything you've done. What a career. What an what a awesome career you freaking have. And based on what I've been seeing, this starts in your childhood. You kind of grew up in and around this business, right? I did grow up around the business because my dad was uh, a producer, well-known, you know, back then. Sure. A long time ago. Uh, he, they made him, they've asked him to be the president of the William Morris Agency in Paris, in wow. France. So he opened the very first offices off the Champs-Élysées. And I remember vividly as a small little girl, you know, he took me to work and I was like playing under his desk where, you know, there were so many great artists that came into his office to discuss their career. Sure. And so I was, you know, at a young age, I was in the middle of it. And of course he took me a lot of places. I traveled a lot and, and went to see a lot of shows and developed a passion for um, literature. So, you know, I attended the Conservatory of Paris, of Versailles, I mounted plays. I organized plays in school. At first the kids were bullying me and called me La Petite Américaine because I was actually born in New York. Okay. And I uh, moved to Paris, they would put frogs in my bag and oh. my hair. I know those mean French kids. <laughs> and but then um, I became really popular because I had all these ideas and I created all these shows and I cast everybody. 
And uh, it was a lot of fun. So then I became incredibly popular. Please tell me you returned the frog favor to at least a few of those boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. But, um, you know, it was, uh, you know, and I was grateful to have that kind of, you know, uh, upbringing because, you know, just growing up in Europe and traveling everywhere gave me a right. certain foundation and certainly a love of the arts and a love of theater and a love of filmmaking that, you know, helped me, that formed me. And so when I moved back to New York, when I was a teenager, uh, you know, at 15, and I had the chance to study with Stella Adler, with Uta Hagen, with Herbert Bergdorf, and, and some wonderful other teachers, you know. Sure. Jim Pell. You know, my passion never left me to this day. I'm very driven and, uh, and excited to watch, you know, great movies and to write and to direct. So I feel fortunate that I can really pursue my passions. And, and not only uh, direct, but also act in a few, correct? Yeah. Whenever somebody asks me, I do it. And, uh, and sometimes I even have, you know, the audacity to cast myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, who wouldn't? I would do the same thing. Now, I've always <laughs> been curious when, when uh, you know, somebody that is a director also acts, is it, is it hard to kind of make that switch for you? Is it? Do you feel like you're directing yourself sometimes or how it's does that? Hard. I think it's really hard. It's not hard in the sense that, you know, it's just, it's the makeup part of it for me mm. is that I have to spend some time putting makeup on and it's just time that I just don't have, you know, when you're in the director mode, I just feel like when I'm in the makeup chair, I lose time and, and I don't like that, but you know, mostly I don't, I've never, directing myself in a big part i've only okay. done either a cameo or like a small supporting part but i never did like because it is difficult i think sure uh, to to carry all the hats absolutely yeah Man, what a cool industry i'd like to think i could do it but boy i would be <laughs> shoved to the side so quick there's there's one thing i saw on your uh, imdb that i have to ask you about it's uh, it's a uh, where you appear as yourself on conan o'brien what was the context of this <laughs> Well, they asked me to do the Tonight Show call. That's when Conan O'Brien was doing the Tonight Show. Okay. And they had a little bit that they wanted to do with Andy Richter, uh, who he would come and learn how to act, learn how to deliver lines. And so, you know, it was interesting because I was dreading it. I really didn't want to do it, but I thought, well, it'd be good to do it, you know. Yeah. It's good publicity for the school. I should do it. But I really did not want to do it. And then the day of, I was in a woke up in a really good mood, and he was just lovely and fun to play with. And I'm we sure. played. We played for a long period of time, and I can't remember how long the segment was, but it was like forever. It was the longest segment <laughs> because I guess they liked it. And I remember finishing it and and thinking to myself, I just had so much fun just now, and it's so it's such a great it was a great lesson for me because. Uh, I'm usually not, you know, I'm more like the serious person, and, but I let go. I just let go. And every time it's always that same lesson. When I let go and I just have fun with things, it comes out really good. And I was so surprised. I can't remember if it was like eight minutes or 12 minutes, but it was a long little bit. And, uh, and you know, a lot of people saw it. So that was good. It was a fun thing to do. I want to see it so bad. I wonder if it's on YouTube. I would love to look it up it is i'll find out when we finish i'll ask somebody to send it to you I mean, we have that it would be great yeah. i've got to see it i'm a huge fan of conan <laughs> so when i saw it i was like holy cow and it wasn't with conan it was with any richter right his sidekick 
Right, but it was on on Conan's show, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it was, was yeah, Conan. yeah. Andy is just yeah. as man. They are they are so great together. They are so yeah. great together. It was it was good. It was a fun thing I did. Yeah, very cool. So so where does act or acting uh, coaching come into your career? Like when did this start? And like, when did you realize you wanted to do it? How did you realize you wanted to do it? It's a very good question because it's actually you know when you look back at your life those different turning points in your life, the milestones. And so I, a lot of people were just asking me, I was very, I guess, insightful and I helped actors and more actors called me and referred me. And I was faced at one point um, with either coaching all these actors or going on three auditions. And I thought if I go on three auditions, I'm not going to be able to coach anybody because, you right. know, one was in Pasadena, the other one was in West Hollywood. There was just no way. And so I said, you know what, let me just cancel the auditions. I, I, I'd rather, I, I feel more productive. I feel like I contribute more if I pass down, you know, because I studied a lot and I was lucky enough to study with some really great iconic teachers and, and it felt fulfilling to pass it down. So it was a, really a decision. I remember walking on the beach and deciding to do it. And then I remember that particular day where I called my agent who, <laughs> didn't want to interrupt me after that and yeah, so <laughs> I remember her name and she'll remain unknown but uh <laughs> like, I'm, I'm done with you she goes, I don't care that you get seven coachings today I only care I booked you on three auditions so um yeah it was a good decision I mean obviously because you know I have a school that uh you know people love and, and people come from all over the world to study at our school Sure. And, uh, I have a great faculty of teachers, which, you know, enables me to direct, to go on set and direct. And now I'm on my way to Europe for a little bit. Hopefully, if I can get my passport tomorrow to get. Um, Fingers are crossed for you. <laughs> exactly. We've been uh, uh, invited to go to the Ischia Film Festival in Italy, which is very prestigious. Wow. Congrats. So, really excited for this trip. So yeah, I mean, uh, it, uh, it's, it's a good uh, craft to have, to teach, and it feels rewarding to pass it down. And I'm fortunate enough that I get to work with some really wonderful actors, whether they're beginners and, or they're, you know, they're, they're professionals or Oscar winners or, or you know. Um, yeah, that, I guess that was going to be my next question, actually, is what exactly does it entail? Because all these names that we listed earlier, like Christian Slater, Seth MacFarlane, Chris Rock, Zoe Deschanel, list goes on again. Um, like these people aren't coming to you when they're just starting. Maybe some of them did, but not all of them. Like some of them are coming to you in their career, like in the middle of their acting career. Well, it depends. You know, um, I hate to drop names and all, but, you know, one actor came to me because he was more known as a comedian and he wanted to really work on, on this serious part. And he did, and he got great reviews. Uh, sometimes it's challenging. Another actor came to me, he was working on a, on a Shakespearean movie. Um, and then he, you know, was a little insecure. And actors mostly want to just bounce off choices that they're making, ideas that they're thinking, you know, script analysis, creating the character. It's all about choices. And, uh, and that's what we do, you know, on one-on-one, -on -one, whether somebody has the part or somebody is, you know, putting their hat in the ring to get a part. We talk about what kinds of choices would be, you know, the, the most interesting choices to make in that material. 
So every everyone's different. It's not like you're going through the motions all the time. Like every every student you take on has their own challenge you help them tackle. Exactly. Yes, everybody cool. is different. And, and that's part of, you know, the philosophy of our school is that I don't believe I've always ran from dogma. Of course, you know, Stella Adler was very dogmatic, but she had something wonderful to right. teach. Uh, I, I never believed it when somebody said this is the only way to do it. It's the only way to act. It just always just made me go. No, there's right. just, there's more than one way. There's many ways. And it's our job to find out what they are. So. Right. I'm very interested in, uh, in in looking for different ways and uh, and uniqueness. You know what's unique about a the creation of a character. What is unique about a performance? Uh, I just had a quick question for you. Yeah. you know, I have the utmost respect for educators, and I know uh, many educators take a, a lot of pride in their students and almost kind of like a, a parent. Uh, child uh, mentality sometimes have you ever had kind of that uh that moment where you see an actor that you've helped coach or an actress excuse me you know kind of do get their big role or an accept an award and kind of be like you know that that's my kid right there <laughs> well i don't know if i'm like you yeah, that's my kid but but i'm always <laughs> when i see an actor that i've worked with or that, that i know you know that was in class achieve success and you know it's just it's so competitive mm. it's so difficult and when you you get it when you break that ice you know when you nail it um yeah it feels great you know when i've watched students of mine win oscars uh, you know there's success stories right behind me in this uh you know I have this backdrop of the runner this last movie that i directed and i was in class teaching and this actor had been studying with me for several months uh, Edouard Philippe Nine. he did a scene that particularly, we, we were working on it. He was particularly, you know, just heartbreaking and edgy. And, mm -hmm. and I had a, a movie that I had been developing and I sent him the script and he loved it. Um, and so I cast him as the lead of this last movie that I was lucky enough to shoot right before we went on lockdown. And you know, and the success stories that he gets signed because of this movie by a very big agency. And a month ago, he was on set with Ridley Scott in Europe, shooting, oh, wow. a, scene, shooting a scene opposite Lady Gaga. Wow. So, um, and now he's shooting another movie. And uh, I'm sure I'm going to see him in Ischia with, uh, with our movie, The Runner. So that was, you know, a particular, um, it's a great success story for him. And hopefully, you know, I am sure it will. The work will keep coming. But yes, of course, that's part of the, the rewarding part. That's what's fulfilling about teaching is that you're um, passing it down, you know, right. and it's it's I think it's, an, it's a responsibility if you were lucky enough to study with certain people. And if you like to teach, if teaching is in your blood, which, you know, I believe it is in mine. Uh, there's a responsibility, I think, to the next generation. Let them know, hey, this is the gig. This is what it's about. Sure. And again, utmost respect for that. So thank you. So as far as film directing, where did, where did that come in then uh, during your career? Were you already teaching when you decided that you were wanting to be a, a film director as well? Was this all happening at the same time? Yeah, I was teaching and there were uh, some some stories I wanted to see through the screen. And then I realized that if I didn't direct it, I'd, I wouldn't sign the painting because of course it's the vision of the director that comes right. to life. So 
uh, you know, I guess I wanted to sign the painting. And um, so I found some, some stories I wanted to tell. And I was lucky enough to find financing and a great cast that said yes. And now I'm getting ready to shoot my sixth feature film. So I've done five of them. Wow. Uh, yeah. That's that, so cool. That it's very exciting. And um, I'm excited about this next one. It's a romantic comedy. Uh, I've usually been directing, you know, darker things, psychological thrillers, horror. Yeah. Right. So I'm really excited to do something fun. I just feel like right now we need it, you know, after the year we've had. Sure. Sure. Uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> And speaking of uh, the year we had, you know, it was at the top of the pandemic. You, you just mentioned the movie The Runner, which is uh, going to be coming out. And that was filmed at the top of the pandemic. And I'm assuming it's just been on hold waiting for everything to kind of let up for its release. Well, no, what was great about that is we shot it right before we were going to push it to April. I'm so glad we didn't. God, we shot it right before, you know, like we finished the principal photography in February and in March, you know, we went on to lockdown. So I had the whole entire year to edit. And what was great is that I didn't feel the pressure of editing because we didn't know, you know, we've been living with this uncertainty now for a while, what's gonna happen, what's gonna happen. And now, even now with, you know, the variants and I mean, showbiz, you know, the industry, the film industry, trying to figure right. out when we're gonna shoot this and how much of a pain in the asses is going to be with, you know, the COVID stuff we have to bring to the table. Right. Um, but, um, but no, so I had the luxury of just, you know, editing with my editor and he even stayed at the house, for, I think like four months. And uh, we just had a, you know, fun time just sitting there and figuring out, you know, how are we going to do this? And so, uh, so now it's doing the festival circuit and it's, I don't know if it's because of co well, my mom, who's, you know, so critical said, um, she went. Oh, that's because they don't have a lot of choices. That's why you're winning all these awards. <laughs> oh, wow. Mom, come on. <laughs> She's so bad. But I, I you know the truth is that I thought we were, there's so much content that's constantly coming out. It doesn't seem like they, no one has suffered from a lack of content, that's for sure. But we have won some awards and we uh, premiered at CineQuest, which is a great film festival. And, um, and now we're going to Ischia and and we've done a few more. So, you know, it's, we're doing the festival circuit and I think we'll be released in the fall. We have several distribution offers on the table. We just have to figure out which one it's gonna be. But uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, I'm glad that uh, I did a movie and then that was very creative during this time. Sure. Can, are, now, are you able to tell us and our listeners a little bit about The Runner? What is what it's yeah. gonna be? So it was, um, a story, it was based, it was very affected late at night watching a news report about how police enforcement, after they captured the high schoolers who are, you know, selling drugs, enticed them, forced them to go undercover for them and wear a wire so they can bring down the big drug lord, the big drug oh, wow. the town. And, and then sometimes, you know, shit happens. And so um, I was very moved by that because always, you know, when, when adults fail kids, when kids fall through the cracks, it's a recurring theme. I'm a mom, I've got two kids. And that just always, you know, does something to me. And I always want to tell stories based on that. So um, I wrote the treatment and I sent it to a, a wonderful friend, a writer, Jason Chase Terrell, who wrote the screenplay. And uh, we did a few drafts, of course, because that's, you know, what happens. That's the drill. <laughs> the process. Um, <laughs> the process. But, um, and then I... I 
I casted with some great actors, the uh, Cameron Douglas, who's you know the son of Michael Douglas, but a one uh, and a wonderful actor uh, was in it and uh, is in it. Um, and some other actors, Eric Balfour, that people love, Elizabeth Rome, who gives a great performance, and all these kids, all these great kids that are just, you know, there's so much talent. Sure. So I was lucky enough to, to be able to have this real fantastic group of actors. That's so fun. Man, that's exciting. Yeah, I can't wait to see this. And you said uh, probably the fall we'll, we'll get to see it. Yeah, I'm pretty, yes. We're, we're, I think late fall is okay. the release. Awesome. Yeah. Exciting. Yeah. Um, I, I also did have one question. I, I did read somewhere that uh, your son is also a, an aspiring filmmaker. And yep. I guess my question is, being in the role of teacher and mom and uh, director and everything, are, are you trying to kind of let him find his own way? Is it is it is that... Cause I know how I am with my kids and it's very like, okay, you know, <laughs> I'm very hands-on with them, <laughs> which might not always be the best. He definitely, he, you know, I definitely let him find his own way. He's studying right now at USC. He's very excited about film and about theater as well. Um, he, you know, every time I shot a movie, I, I brought him on set and my other, my other kid, my two kids on set with me. So they were always part of, you know, and I throw them in front of the camera. So they're always part of uh, of what I do. And he shot a short that got some good recognition on the film festival. He won some awards. He won for best movie at Boston International Film Festival. Wow, that's awesome. Um, so he's um, very creative. He's more passionate than I am because he has the stamina to watch four movies every day. He's constantly watching content and writing and he's very, very passionate. I used to, before I had my kids, I remember teaching class at our studio was on the third street promenade in Santa Monica and coming out and actually going to see a movie at four, at six, at eight, and at 10. I would see four movies a day. Oh, wow. So um, those days are gone. I, I don't have time to do any of that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> over. But I do remember, you have, that's why I tell my students, you know, you have to do all this before you have kids because once you have them, you're fucked. Yeah. But <laughs> in, a, in a wonderful way, but you know your time it's just you know you just are constantly faced with the limitation sure. of time but um oh yeah he's gonna find his own way i think he's gonna do some wonderful things and i'll be always there to support he knows um that i'm planning to do that for sure and how awesome to have yeah, you uh, getting his back i mean all your experience and keeping it a family business it's, yeah. it's continuing to go down another generation that's awesome Yep. That is so cool. We're going back to LA at uh, the beginning of August. We're going to shoot a short together. I mean, he's going to shoot his short. I'm going to be there to support him. Sure. <laughs> That's very cool. <laughs> very cool. Now, uh, one other thing I had seen is you are about to or getting ready to direct a one-person play called Norris. Can you tell us anything about that? Yes, that's another very thrilling project that I'm working on. I directed a movie uh, called Hello, Herman, about a decade ago, written by the youngest son of Norman Mailer, John Buffalo Mailer, and we're very good friends. And he asked me to direct uh, this um, one-woman show based on a memoir uh, by... Uh, by his mother who wrote a memoir, A Ticket to the Circus. And a good friend of, of his mother, Bonnie Col Culver, wrote uh, the one woman show. And I asked Ann Archer, who I had worked with before years ago on another project, 
uh, is she would do it and she loved it. She loved the writing, she loved the story. She connected with this wonderful lady that I had, I was fortunate enough to meet and, uh, and we've been in rehearsal. So that's another project that we've been slowly, it's on the slow cooker, it's been cooking. We've been working on it for a year. And right. Zoom rehearsals and person rehearsals at the theater. And now we're um, gonna do a virtual theater of it uh, in September. And then hopefully, you know, based on what's happening, if we're completely able to reopen, we're gonna have performances. So we're looking forward to that. And Ann Arch is just an extraordinary actress. She does a wonderful job. And I'm really oh, looking forward to making this, this stage project come to life. Well, I hope it happens sooner than later for you. I, I really hope the world just gets open back. I mean, of <laughs> course, you know, as long as everyone's safe, right? <laughs> Not unjustly, but how cool to uh, be you. What a career. All these irons you have in on the fire, and we barely have scratched the surface of it. So congratulations to you and all your success, all the awards you've won, all the many accolades you've had. I want to encourage our uh, listeners to check out Michelle. You can go to michelledanner.com, uh, find her on Twitter at Acting Classes LA, and on Instagram at Michelle Danner LA. Michelle, is there anywhere else we should be sending people? No, I think that's great. That's perfect. Thank you. I don't think that's the first time that's ever happened, Randy. I got it, I got it right the first time. Well, Michelle, I want to thank you so much for taking some time to talk with us tonight. It's been an absolute uh, pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Once again, Michelle Danner, that was a hell of a conversation. Yeah, definitely looking forward to seeing that movie. And uh, Damn, she's busy. Yeah, she is, man. <laughs> the hustle is strong with this one. That's <laughs> <laughs> what you got to have to make it happen, I suppose. So what? many irons in on the fire. But yeah, again, check out michelledanner.com uh, on Twitter at Acting Class LA and on Instagram at Michelle Danner LA. And we'll be uh, keeping you guys posted, I'm sure, as to when the runner comes out. Uh, her people are supposed to let us know when they have a mm -hmm. release date. And uh, when they do, we'll let you guys know. And also, uh, we didn't mention it in the interview, but she also runs the Cinema at the Edge Film Festival. So again, hats mm -hmm. off to her with everything she's doing. And it's, it's amazing stuff. Passionate about the industry, the craft, her career. Amazing. So thanks to her again for being on the show. And uh, with that being done, Jack, what do we have on the website? Go to CandairPodcast.com where you can check out the show, get some merch, become a patron, see some YouTube videos. And if you'd like to be a guest and promote your work, send us an email on our contacts page. And once again, don't forget to find us on Twitter at CandairPod and on Instagram at Cand underscore Air. And uh, on that page, Jack was talking about the Patreon page and our merch page, ways for you to wear us, ways for you to get extra content that you can't hear on our normal page, all kinds of uh, fun stuff over there. So check it out. Again, if you're going to be in the uh, Dayton area at the end of this month, 24th, 25th, check out Gem City Comic Con. And then if you're going to be in the Columbus area or don't mind traveling a little bit, come check us out at the Tour Gaming Expo, uh, September 25th. There it is. All right, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode. So until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. And I'm Randy Hardenbrook. Thanks so much for listening, everyone, and be excellent to each other. could break. Whoops. Help. Quickly walk back to the edge. Stop. You'll break through the ice. 
Snow job. Grab this branch. You should have been listening to Canned Air. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. Snow job, how'd you get your name? Um, G.I. Joe. Yeah, he just played the. There's two guys. They were they were broke out of prison, and one was the big classic, you know, big dumb Ophi, super strong, uh, mentally. Kinda, and then Lenny was the you know the wise, street smart guy. But John Malkovich, being, I always thought he he was actually mentally retarded, just because the way. Let's, I, let's say mentally handicapped. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, that's what I was trying to go for the the PC word, but <laughs> and you failed. Try again. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought. Well, like when I first saw him, I I straight I thought John Malkovich was mentally handicapped just because he he has that Down syndrome look to him. Not to offend anybody, <laughs> you like, are not doing this well, dude. <laughs> it's true. <I'm> just... <laughs> the views and words of Jack do not accurately reflect the Candier podcast oh. as a whole. Okay, let's start that line again. Let's try a third time here. Let's leave Down syndrome and the word retarded out of it. <laughs> go, <laughs> go. Uh, I don't know. I always thought he was <laughs> special. <laughs> <laughs> How can I cut this now, man? Like I gotta leave. Maybe I'll bleep it. <laughs> it's too good. <laughs> you can't use the R word. <laughs> oh, we just got Shit. fucking canceled. Nah. Oh, good. Thanks, Jack. This has been a Canned Air production. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out.